0: Because I know this is what the context of your show is about. And it provides a piece of closure for me. Because I will never, ever answer any more questions about Basketball wise. That part of my life is closed. So I'm giving it all to you. And then I'm getting on down the highway.
1: Stay tuned. We'll get into my conversation with Tammy Roman right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry recap our favorite reality shows, and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. Hey, Raindrops. Today's guest on Reality with the King is someone I consider one of the greatest reality TV stars of all time. I'm talking about my friend, the living legend, honey, the icon, Tammy Roman. We talk about Tammy's legendary career in scripted and unscripted television, dating all the way back from her appearance on Married with Children. Yes, my girl's an actress, honey. We also talk about basketball wives as she spills some tea on some behind-the-scenes stuff that went down that even I did not know about. In addition to that... We talk about her new series called VH1's Unfaithful. And we also talk about how people always have something to say about her health and the way she looks. This is one of my favorite conversations with one of my favorite people. Without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Tammy. Tammy. Let's talk about your legendary career, because what I can say, because I'm, you know, I'm 42 years old, so I've been around a little bit. So I remember you first from being on Married with Children. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'm dating myself. So Tammy, I was watching Married with Children as a little gay boy in Detroit, Michigan, and Tammy had this scene. She had this beautiful... Tammy, do you remember that that T-Boss wig you wore? Honey? Yes.
0: Well, that was my real hair back then. Oh! Yeah, that, we weren't into wigs in the 90s. So, you know, that was me getting the T-Boss cut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first introduction into Tammy Roman. So talk to us about how you were always an actress, First,
0: Yes, yes, yes. Well, I always thought I would be in entertainment first, right? Whatever capacity was going to drop into my lap, I felt like I knew I needed to be in entertainment, singing, modeling, acting, whatever, right? So that's why people saw me on The Real World have a singing group. But when I came off of The Real World, people didn't understand what reality TV was because it was so new. So they thought we were acting. So I started getting all these auditions. I'm High-key talented. I was able to book jobs without having any coaching, any, you know, like, lessons or anything. And married with children, one of my first
1: jobs. And you are excellent in that. My first introduction into reality television was the real world. Yes. Heather B., was the first Black woman a part yes. of the first season. I love Heather B. I listen to her and Sway in the morning, every morning on my way to the gym. And she also deserves all the credit because she still has a long career yes. that is still you know very much at its highest moment. But I don't know anybody, Tammy, that has the career that you have. You have been on top since then. When you were on The Real World, what made you get into reality TV knowing that you had stardom of acting, you know, at the forefront? Well,
0: I didn't know what reality TV was, right? Here again, this was a new format. So I was working at an HIV health care center. You know, and uh, one of the one of my coworkers came in and was like, Oh, I didn't get on this show, they've already cast it and I was like, Well what show, girl? And she said, The real world and I had never heard of it. This is the way my life goes. It was a Friday, I went home and MTV was doing a marathon of the first season. And so I watched it. And I was like, Well, what kind of show is this? You know, it looks seems like real people living in a house, okay. I feel like I could do that. So, my mother and I went to we were living in Burbank at the time. I went to the mall and filmed myself on a camcorder and this so back in the day, it was the type of camcorder that had the VHS on the side.
1: You talk about Radio Shack days. Right, honey.
0: exactly. So, um <laughs> she filmed me and that Monday we went up to Universal Studios, which is where MTV's offices were and I personally took them my tape.
1: Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You physically taped yourself, recorded it, and you had the tape in your hand, and you found the address of MTV, yes. and you walked your black beautiful self into the offices and dropped it off.
0: I wasn't leaving until somebody looked at it, and the casting director at the time was a lady named Felicia Passano. You probably know her because she's she does so much in the business. Yes. I was like, "Hey, I got my tape," and she was like. I'm sorry? I said, yes, I wanted to bring you my tape for that show, the real world y'all got. And she was like, that's not, you know, we don't do that. That's not how it works. It's already been cast. And I was like, well, I would like for you to look at my tape, though. And she was like, not gonna do it. And I said, not leaving, because I want somebody to look at my tape. So she took the tape into her office. Now, whether she actually looked at it or not, I don't know. But she came back out, maybe three to five minutes later and said, I watched a little bit of it. I am gonna finish watching it. You know, can you just go with that, go with God with that and get up out of here. (laughs) And so I said, okay, cool. You know, I just wanted to make sure that somebody looked at it. And two weeks later, John Murray and Mary Ellis Bunim, may she rest in peace, called me at work and said, we'd love to have you be the cast member on The Real World. We had already casted the show But we actually like you better than the person we had. And can you do it?
1: And just so my listeners can know this, so Jonathan Murray and Mary Ellis, may she rest in peace, they are the owners of the production company, the Murray Murray Mm -hmm. Productions. Mm -hmm. And they are the ones who created the real world. And you guys may know them now because they were the ones who produced the Kardashians when it was on E! Correct. So Jonathan Murray, I want to say this to you guys, he is the older white man. He's openly gay. And when I say to you, the coolest guy, he has called executives about me and saying, why don't you have more black on production companies speaking on issues? Call Carlos King. That's just the type of man he is. So they called you and then...
0: I packed my bags and and I went in a Winnebago with uh, Dominic to pick up John. And that's how Road Rules was born that is
1: such a fascinating story because one thing we know about you you are a hustler and I love hearing these stories because it shows you that you have to take control of your destiny and you are a woman who did that and that's the reason why what 30 years later like you are still relevant and still working so that experience happened and you know listen we all know about what happened on the first season the real world but what made you get into basketball, wise? Because did you think that the real world was going to be your last stint on reality television?
0: I completely thought I was done with reality TV after Real World because I started studying, right, the craft of acting, and with a lady named Chip Fields, who, uh, if you don't know, that's Kim Fields' mom, and one yes. of the best in the business. Um, and so I was like, I'm a thespian. I didn't do reality TV no I'm scripted you know and so um <laughs> I didn't think I would ever be back on it you know and they had me do the reunion at the time I was in I think I don't know if I was engaged to Kenny or married to Kenny but you like my life went in a completely different direction and fast forward 7 years later divorced from Kenny and when I got on basketball wise it was literally 8 months that I went to get EBT and people made that my, like my existence. You know what I mean? And that's not what happened. So I want to clear up this moment of my life. I had got cast on a show called Wifey that was executive produced by Queen Latifah. It was a partnership between BH1 and BET, and it was gonna be the first like hybrid co-production, you understand what I'm talking about, where two networks come together and do a show. Well, lo and behold, we got our pickup letter. The show was gonna be shooting out of New Jersey. So I packed up my whole family, my mom, my two kids, and moved to New Jersey, waiting for the show to start, had been there a year. And BH1 and BET could not come to terms on the agreement, so they decided they weren't going to do the show.
1: What was the show Wifey about, though?
0: It was like the original Empire. So it was me, Terrence Howard, about a, a, you know, a record company executive whose wife takes control of the business because he ends up getting killed.
1: Oh, wow. And this was scripted, obviously.
0: This was scripted. So, um, I'm stuck in Jersey, right? And don't know how to get back to California because, you know, savings exhausted. I had already been there a year thinking everything is going to be fine because I'm going to be now on this show that ultimately didn't happen. So I started working at Morgan Stanley. So people um, don't know that, that I worked in finance. Were you
1: an investment banker?
0: No, no, no. On the, on the administrative side, you know, I was making six figures. Like it takes a lot of money to live in New York. So it was very expensive. So I was like, well, shit, I've been working my whole life. Like I'm one of those people that it's not like I was destitute, but like you said, I'm a hustler. So it's like, I'm going to go down here and I'm going to get these goddamn food stamps and this Medicare. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit, the system owe me. So I think when I got on Basketball wise people made it seem like I was broke and homeless. And you know what I'm saying? And that wasn't the case. It was really just, you know, for lack of better, you know, example, Tammy hustling. So your question, before I started clarifying, Tammy was like basically hustling the system to get the goddamn EBT And the medical so that I didn't have to pay for it in the city of New York. So I'm riding the train to work one day. And this lady goes, oh, my God, you're Tammy from the real world. And I just saw you on at the time. I was on a series called Moonlight for CBS. Which um had just gotten canceled. Here again, like all of this is happening simultaneously. Wifey didn't get picked up, Moonlight gets canceled. I start working for Morgan Stanley. So it's like a collective, a three, a three-piece combo. So I'm on the train and she's like, I just saw you on Moonlight. What are you doing on the train? And so I was like, We're going to work like you, girl, you know, okay, you know, headed to Wall Street, you know. And um when I got off work, I thought about it and I was like, Tammy, why are, you, why are you settling for this being your life? You've never been this type of person. You've got to figure out how to get back on TV. Like I said, I prefaced this earlier, the way my life works. Go home and VH1 is doing a marathon of basketball Wives, which I had never seen. So I watched the whole first season and I was like, okay, um, I used to be a basketball wife. I'm I'm on the train every day. I'm not having the lunches, the brunches, and the spa dates. So I feel like that part of the life should be shown too. So I called VH1 and was like, I'm Tammy Roman. I used to be married to Kenny Anderson. I saw you got a show called Basketball Wives. Are they getting a second season? Because I think I need to be on there. And they were like, okay, call Shed Media, which is another production company for your listeners, similar to Buna Murray, but they were responsible for Basketball Wives. I called them ironically, the person who was the EP of that show, his name was Sean Rankin, and he used to work on The Real World. So he knew who I was and said, come on, join the family. And that's how I got on Basketball Wives. That was a long story.
1: I've never heard that story, and I know all things about reality television. So, no, this, this is so interesting because when a new person enters a season... Yes. nine times out of ten, they always make it seem like someone... someone who's a current cast member, brought you on the show.
0: They did that with us.
1: Okay, because we all thought that Shawnee O'Neal brought you on because you two had a friendship.
0: Well, you know, like you said, they have to link you to somebody, right? Um, Shawnee and I were not friends when I joined Basketball Wise. I knew Shaq, okay? And we used to live in the same gated community when I was married to Kenny. So, you know, we were neighbors with Shaq. And I knew he had a wife, but I didn't know her, per se. But because, you know, we had that history of living in the same community, we played it like we were friends, but we didn't really know each other. I thought the
1: first season was good. Evelyn obviously was the star of the season. She brought it, it was her show, in my opinion. You came on, and as a producer of reality television, it's not often that you have two queen bees Mm -hmm. on the same season. Mm At the same damn time. (laughs) Because it's usually one. We, We now call them the force multipliers. When you came on, you were such a force. And to your credit, it was your authenticity that made a large group of audiences love you. And we were immediately drawn to you. When you were filming that season, did you feel that, okay, I am really making a moment here on the second season of this show
0: i absolutely did not because i didn't even know how reality tv was working at this time you know what i mean so like just for clarity 93 to 2008 i hadn't done any reality tv so i didn't even know like the fact that we got schedules and it was like oh you're gonna have a scene at lunch with so and so you know it's like oh, okay, all of that was new to me. A PA comes pick you up in the car and drives you to set. Like, all of that was new to me. So um, at the time, I was still working Monday through Friday at Morgan Stanley, and I only flew down on the weekends. So I didn't even think I would be in the season that much because I was only filming on the weekends. So there was, like, not any intention behind anything other than just be myself and tell my story. You know what I mean? That's really what it was. That's why I think at the end when she, you know, when we had that exchange and she called me, um, you know, the non-motherfucking factor and I found out that she had slept with Kenny and all this, that was all new to me. Like, that was like, I was like, that's why I had that reaction because I was like, wait, what? What is going on? Like, it was just so weird. It was like, I've, I've been filming with you for six months. We've had conversations Everybody knew this, but me, you know, like, it was really very, very authentic and very genuine, you know. A lot of people
1: were questioning whether or not that moment was scripted.
0: It wasn't. (laughs) It was not. (laughs) It absolutely was not.
1: In that moment, did you feel like, okay, we're going to be co-workers and not friends?
0: For me, I felt like there's no way she could possibly be my friend, but not for the reasons that people like to say everybody likes to say she's mad. She slept with Kenny. That was so not why I was disappointed in the interaction Evelyn and I had. It was really based on girl, I've been around you. Like I'm not the type of person to smile in somebody's face and have information or be, you know, talking behind their back. Like I'm, I'm pretty much very upfront, you know what I'm saying? You'll know if I don't like you, if it's something I got to say, I'm going to say it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so just to have felt like, damn, like, so you really weren't my friend because you knew this and you didn't tell me. But the fact that she slept with him was nothing to me because fuck everybody had slept with Kenny. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) it was more than I thought we were cool. You know, it really was coming from that space. But yeah, I said, there's no way that she could have been my friend. However, the very next day, Evelyn called me and she was like, Hey, you know, I feel like we were both set up. I thought you already knew this information. And then I find out that you didn't know. And I feel like they were trying to play us against each other. And I really don't want to have that type of relationship with you. So I was like, okay, cool. Evelyn and I literally the very next day went to go have drinks on the, on the rooftop pool, you know, it was like totally squashed. And then second season I show up and she's done t-shirts. She's done, you know, all of this other stuff. And so that's when I knew I was like, she's not capable of being my friend. And I think that she will say whatever's necessary to keep us from fighting because that's going to be a problem for her, not for me. And then, you know, that's when I knew that that's what it was. Now that scene at Dolce was scripted, was not scripted because like we don't have lines, right? But it was improv. So, you know, that's what I'll say about that scene.
1: It wasn't really heated amongst the two of you, but you, you guys knew that you had to have the conversation and have the dialogue in order for it to make sense.
0: Correct. Yes, because... Um, there was nothing on the paper. There was, you know, like the paper she tore up. It was like, when I said, I'm serving you, there was nothing on it It was a blank piece of paper, you know, and we knew that we just had to do that scene to give the viewers something. So if I had to say anything, I would say from season three on, that's when Tammy, the actress stepped in to play. Season two, I was new and green, don't know what's happening on reality TV. I've always been authentic. Let me just tell, you know, come and give my story, my truth, whatever that is. And then I saw, oh, you're going to be a jackass if you don't learn how to play this game. And so um, season three became the, not that I fabricated story, my stories, the things that I chose to share were real and authentic, but my interaction with the ladies was more of Tammy the actress because a lot of the stuff they were talking about, I didn't care. Uh, if, I, if, if I was supposed to have a, a, an emotion of anger, maybe I amped that up a little more than what I really would have done. In, you know, so you know, people should know that you know about reality TV. There is that point where it's like. You act a little bit.
1: You become an amplified version of yourself because you're realizing there's cameras on. Correct. And I have to give these producers a good scene or I'm stuck here for many hours. Is that how you felt? That's
0: absolutely how I felt. And then, you know, they're coming, producers are coming in your ear, like, can you guys give us something? You know what I mean? And so, you know, where I normally might be like, girl, just tell her how you feel. It becomes, you better tell that bitch what you thinking. You know, it becomes that. <laughs> you know so that so that i can go home you know that's that's what it is
1: and did you feel like you needed liquid courage to do that because a lot of moments we saw obviously you love a good beer We, <laughs> i do was the drinking of beer giving you that courage to sort of step outside yourself to give a good scene
0: no, I, I don't need liquid courage to do anything that I do. Um, the craft of acting, and here again, I was trained by the best. I can go right into whatever needs to be delivered. And I don't need a drink to do that.
1: So even when you mush uh, Mika Klaxon in her face? I'm just drunk.
0: But I, didn't, I, but
1: I didn't need the beer to
0: mush Mika.
1: You'd have done that so Yeah, far.
0: I mean, like, I didn't, I didn't need the beer to do that. But that, if I have to talk about any moment that I feel was a downer for me, was that moment because Mika is really a cool chick. You know what I mean? And I think that when she came onto the show, we were already a unit and a nucleus that operated in a certain way. It's just like if you go on a scripted show, if they've been going for four or five years and you're the guest star, it's like you're trying to figure out how to figure, you know, segue yourself into their already perfect dynamic and that's the position that Mika was in and you know she's cool but she does talk a lot you know and I was drunk you know and I'm saying it's like girl you lying which it was like what I had said and what she said I was saying were two completely different things and that's why I mushed her because I was drunk and I'm you know that's just the truth but I wish I had not have been drunk because I would not have mushed her because it didn't warrant that. And so um, after I watched that moment back on TV, I was like, Tammy, why did you do that? Like the minute you see her, you need to apologize to her because it, it, it didn't need all of that for that scene to work, for that moment to happen. And so I did. When I, The first time I got in the same room with her, I immediately apologized.
1: And did she receive it?
0: She actually did. And I always say she was gracious enough to accept my apology because she had a hard road after that scene, too. You know, like trying to live her life, do appearances, and everybody's like, that's why Tammy must you. Be. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to deal with all the aftermath.
1: You know, and so... No, it reminds me of when Kenya and Portia had their unfortunate moment at the reunion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know... I, I don't know if Kenya ever shared this publicly. It's what you said. Like, Kenya had to deal with the aftermath of that, of fans, Portia's fans, saying, that's why she yeah, dragged you. exactly. That's why she dragged exactly. you. And constantly saying that to her face when she's out in public. And obviously... Um, that happens a lot. I know that's that's something Candace also said happened to her when her and Monique had the mm-hmm. altercation. So what people don't understand is you have a life after that moment forever. Yes. And that footage is on rotation.
0: Constantly, constantly. Con- and, you know, and they're constantly rerunning it. You know, season two and three is back, 20, you know, 17 years later. You know that? It feels like 17 years. It ain't been that long. But, you know, that's how it feels. Even <laughs> with me, with Keisha... And the purse, you know, people think I'm a purse dealer. And it's like, no, that girl knew what was happening in this scene. The producers, she knew the producers told us, you got to give us something. She knew she left her purse. She knew she could have came to my room and got her purse back. Like, it just was like, what is happening here? You know, and she let people run with that narrative. And it was was difficult for me because I'm just trying to do what they asked me to
1: do. It's the moment where Keisha was a cast member. Long story short, you guys are on a cast trip. Listen, no shade, you were aggressive to Keisha, and you were like, her purse was next to you. And listen, I will never forget watching that, and a lot of people felt like, oh, my God, Tammy is a bully. Yes,
0: and I'm so and not. And it
1: became so bad. Shawnee O'Neal had to do a pickup scene. So a pickup scene, guys, is when the season is wrapped and you're in post-production And you're sort of putting the episodes together with your editors. And that moment between Tammy and Keisha became fodder on social media. And it was so bad. Shawnee had to do a pickup scene talking about my friends and, you know, this aggressiveness. Did you feel that was a slap in the face when you saw that happen?
0: I, I absolutely felt betrayed by that because... Shawnee was the one who showed me the footage of Keisha talking smack about me in the airport. Soon as we touched down for that cash trip, Shawnee showed me all the BTS uh, footage of Keisha just ripping me to shreds. So like how you say little docile Keisha, no, that's not the case. But what happened was, and this is, uh, fuck, you know, fuck it now at the time, Keisha was involved with one of our show's producers. So instead of airing the footage the way it really happened so that you could tell a real story, they cut out everything that made Keisha look like the bad guy and only left all the stuff that Tammy did, which is why I felt betrayed by Shawnee because it's like, You know you sat up in that airport and showed me all those scenes. You know you showed me that. And you know that we had been there three days on this cash trip. Jennifer stayed in her room. She was in hiding. Nobody wanted to deal with Kenya, uh, who was there at the time. And the producer said, we don't have nothing, guys. You got to do something. So the next scene up was us at this bar and me going off on Keisha because I was asked to do that. Okay. then at the end, Keisha hits the ground running, going back to the hotel and leaves her purse. I pick up her purse, bring it to the car. Now, what I am wrong for, which I've always admitted, was going through the woman's purse because I wouldn't have wanted nobody (laughs) to do that. Like to me. So, yeah, I was wrong for that. But everything else, guys, in truth and reality Keisha knew what was going on. Shawnee knew what was going on. The producers knew what they asked me to do. And everybody left me out there to dry. And because you typically can't speak against the production, right? I got to be quiet. I can't even tell people what I just said to you.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting because, look, people come to me saying, is this fake or is this real? Is because they can kind of see some of those things happening. And a lot of people now are way more.
0: They're more savvy now.
1: Yeah, they're they're savvy now. And listen, not all production is ran that way, but some are. Your honesty about that is, is so interesting because at that time I was a reality producer. And watching that scene, I was fooled. I really thought that was a real moment based on how it was chopped and screwed.
0: It was chopped and screwed. So I was like, you know, when we when we got back to the uh, the hotel, I was like, just tell that girl to come get her purse. I don't got no problem with her. I mean, it ain't that serious. What are y'all doing? And they were like, well, go over to her room and give it to her. And that's when I was like, Keisha, Keisha, here's your purse, girl. On the door. All of that was because they asked me to do that. Because Tammy got back to that hotel room, kicked off her shoes, laid down on her bed. And they were like, she wants to leave and she wants her purse. I said, tell her to come get it. Because to me... I just I'm acting. I acted my way through that, did what y'all asked me to do. And now it's it's like and see, it's over. Everybody relax. Go back, you know, go back to doing your regular scheduled program and we're all good. And, um, you know, they they really literally left me out to dry on that.
1: Was that one of the many times you felt that you were betrayed by Shawnee or the producers with your stay on the show.
0: Yeah, they were. They, that, that was one of them, because there have been many.
1: <laughs> there have been many. Your last season broke my heart mm. because I was like, this woman has carried this franchise on her back. And she's such a hard worker. And when she shows up, she shows out. She makes sure to give y'all a good scene, because everyone wins. You yes, win, we all yes, win. Yes. And... Your last season, I felt you were so stabbed in the back because I felt that Shawnee was choosing to rekindle her relationship with Evelyn and was leaving you out to dry. And it was sad to watch because, listen, I think Evelyn's also a great reality star. I think she also shows up and gives a great scene. But I felt like if you were going to be that loyal to Evelyn damn it, be that loyal to Tammy. Did you feel that way too that season? I did. And
0: I think, you know, I felt like a lot of boundaries had been crossed, you know? And when you talk about just having integrity and respect for another person, I felt like I wasn't getting that. You know what I mean? And people want to hear what they want to hear and see what they want to see. And for me to sit at that reunion and have somebody... Admit that they sent letters to production, you know, about me and, and, and my personal business, that was a lie and admit that they did those things that started the train for me of like, this some bullshit right here. You know what I mean? Like, cause I would never do that. Like I would never do that to you, but you young lady, old woman, cause you ain't fall for me, um, were like trying to you know, like just break me behind the scenes because I was just as successful as you in front of the camera. And that wasn't cool. You know, so when, um, and another thing they did with that reunion too, was I left pretty early. So they put it together in a way where it seemed like I was saying things first, which is what they always did. It, It always had to be Tammy started it because Shawnee and Evelyn started this franchise together. So the loyalty from the production company and the executive producers was to them. They, a lot of things were shown out of order, if you understand what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. um, or cut out, you know, to make it skew, favorable for them because the loyalty was to them.
1: Shawnee and Evelyn always got the good at it.
0: Always, for the history of the show. Which is why if people are really true watchers of Basketball Wives, they start to see Tammy doesn't talk as much. Tammy is not saying as much. Tammy's not doing what she used to do, because I don't know if you're going to show it truthfully. And so now I've got to protect myself. So that's really what people start seeing. But back to what you were saying, that reunion was like, I've had enough. You've talked about my eggs, which is a lie. Shawnee is backing up your lies, so, I, you know, I can't fuck with her or you. And then you're go- sending letters to the production and the production company behind the scenes spreading lies about me, and they're engaging in conversation with you, which was which was mind-blowing to me, Carlos, because I feel like if somebody sent you a letter talking about Nini, you're not going to sit and go, you right, that bitch be tripping,
1: like on an email. Never. <laughs> And and let me be clear, some ladies have tried. And the reason why I have a great rapport with all my girls is because I don't engage in the behind-the-scenes talk about my cast.
0: But this executive, high-level executive, did. And I have, to this very day, the emails. You know what I'm saying, of of this conversation. and the And the girl admitted, yes, I sent letters. And the audience just overlooked that. So you're admitting that you've been shitting on me and trying to do all kind of shit behind the scenes. Nobody cared. They put it like I talked about her eggs before she talked about my eggs. And, and, and quite honestly, I'm only having this conversation with you because I know this is what the context of your show is about. And it provides a piece of closure for me because I will never, ever answer any more questions about Basketball Why That part of my life is closed. So it, I'm giving it all to you, and then I'm getting on down the highway. So she was doing a lot to me that people just didn't know that I was dealing with. And so that's why the very last season that I was on the show, I opted not to get a raise, not to extend any options, and not to film with her.
1: Wow. Because at the end of the day, you chose your piece over profits.
0: Correct. And I said, no, I don't want it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave and go go on about my business because I know I can do other things.
1: Baby, we are not done yet. Stay tuned for more of my conversation with Tammy. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into my chat with Tammy. I'm a loyal Basketball Wives mm-hmm. fan. When you left, listen, every show needs a force multiplier, and every show needs the chemistry of the cast. You were such a force, and Evelyn was too. Mm-hmm. We're all going to admit mm-hmm. that. But without you being there, and I'm watching this current season, and I'm I'm pretty sure you haven't watched it. Right. I, can, I, I think it's safe to assume you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so it is the most awful thing I've, I've seen in a very long time. Wow and i've said this um on my podcast recently that that show needs tammy and evelyn and you know listen i i I love jennifer jennifer's a friend of mine we all know that jennifer isn't a lead right jen knows she's not a lead she wants to be able to come in her cute Mm fashion do a little one two and keep it Mm -hmm. moving that show is bad it's awful in the words of NeNe Leakes, you never win when you play dirty.
0: You never win when you play dirty. They may be able to get Evelyn back,
1: you know, onto the show. It's, but it's going to be, it means more than her. I know. Shawnee got married. Were you invited to the wedding?
0: I was not. I was not invited to the wedding. Um, and I don't know why I would have been. You know what I'm saying? Like Shawnee and I have not spoken to each other since I left the show. And um, I had saw on the blog where her father had passed away. And I did reach out to her and say, hey, I'm sorry for your loss, you know, because I had met her father. And, you know, I know they had a a wonderful relationship and dynamic. So I know that probably hurt, you know, to lose him. And I reached out to her and said, you know, uh, sorry for your loss. And she reached back out and said, hey, thank you for that. A, and then if I've done anything to ever hurt you over the years, like, I'm really sorry about it. And, um, you know, thank you with the thumbs up. And then we've gone back to our separate corners and our separate lives like we were before I extended that uh, condolences.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's, there's closure. Yeah. The beauty of you is that show did not make you and it certainly did not break you because now... You have a brand new show on VH12 called Unfaithful. And let me tell you something, as a fan of cheaters (laughs) and a fan, you know what I mean, of those type of shows, tell us about Unfaithful.
0: I am so excited, Carlos, because, you know, like, quite honestly, you look out and um, you see everybody going through their winning season, right? And it just seems like, Okay, Lord, here I am, you know, sitting, you know, waiting, 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 let me tip on, wait, you know. And I just feel like once I made the decision to leave the, you know, basketball wise and really get back to what I love to do in scripted programming, he just opened the floodgates. Like he just showed up and showed out. And so they came to me with um caught in the act unfaithful. And it was like, who better than me? You know what I mean? It's like, of course, you know, I too was a fan of cheaters. I have been that person who's been in a relationship where there was infidelity. I've written a book on how to make your relationship cheat proof. So it just kind of fell into place and I'm excited for everybody to see it because yes, like cheaters, it's a relationship show, but we've layered that thing. You know what I mean? Like you get to sit down, the suspicious lover gets to sit down with the other woman and have a real conversation, not just confrontation, but conversation with that person, which cheaters didn't do. You you can team up with that person and take down the man, or you can choose to remain solo and take them both down by yourself. We've got that. And then I wanted to be able to, um, which is a, one thing I love, about me in general is I always want to add value to whatever it is that I'm involved even like with the reality stuff it's like is this is my telling this part of my life going to help someone right is it going to add value it's not just going to be the shenanigans can I offer something and I want to do the same with this show and I feel like so many people go through life saying toxic relationship toxic relationships but it's so general and broad that people don't even know when they're in a toxic relationship So we're educating while giving you the shenanigans and the drama and, you know, the entertainment of these, um, you know, uh, uh, non-committed relationships that people are being caught in the act in. But, you know, it's like if you don't know what hoovering is, if you don't know what parentification is, if you don't know what flying monkeys is, then you could very well be in a toxic relationship and not even know. Because to us, toxic is, oh, he put his hands on me. Nah, toxic to us is gaslighting. Oh, you know you said that. It's so much more to being in a toxic environment that people are aware of. And so we've got all those elements And I'm really excited for people to see. And it's my own thing. And you know, I, I just hope people support me in it, you know?
1: And you're not only the star of it, aren't you also executive producing it? I'm a consulting producer. I'm not executive producing, but
0: uh, you know, I was a part of the development phase of adding those things that I just spoke to you about to make sure that it was really well-rounded and flushed out, and we weren't just doing the same thing that had already been done. So they afforded me a consulting producer credit, which I'm thankful for.
1: Congratulations with that. Thank you. Thank you. Would you ever go back into doing reality TV, or do you want to focus on other ventures right now? Well,
0: you know, which I know you know, but your viewers may not know, Caught in the Act is reality TV. Reality is under an umbrella called unscripted so it's still yes. reality tv It's just a different format but would i go back to an ensemble absolutely what you got carlos you know i tried to get up on that real house live two times and both times they were like girl go on somewhere we don't want you you know so i said well that won't happen but uh i would absolutely go back depending upon here again is it a world we haven't seen Are we offering people something different than what's already been done a hundred thousand times? You know, it would have to really be a flushed-out concept and environment. You know, where where something new and it feels fresh. Yes, but me going to have lunch with so and so and all going to somebody's kids birthday party and then we got to argue about something at the kids. No, I'm not interested.
1: No, I just see something so much bigger for you. And that's why I'm so happy for you with the Calling the Acting Faithful show, you acting on Miss Pat show on BET Plus.
0: And it's amazing going to work every day because all you do is laugh all day long. Like the Miss Pat that you guys see on TV and her stand-up, that's who she is all the time. So I love being over there with that. I've, I've got a new scripted drama that's coming to BET as well which launches in August, um, which I actually helmed that show, and I've got a great cast on that show as well. This is an exclusive. I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about it, but it's coming to BET Linear, and um, we're excited about it. So there's there's a lot of things that are happening.
1: You have such a wealth of knowledge and experience. When you talk, people listen. Thank you. When you are on The Real Alani Love, And you shared that personal story about your challenges with body image Mm -hmm. and going through body dysmorphia. And your honesty, it stops people in their tracks because we love you and you're an icon because the moment you wire your teeth on the real world, you've you've always given us the real. You have a lot of fans who are rooting for you, who love you. I do. Um, how are you doing health-wise now? Because obviously. You were so open about it. And I had no idea you were going through that after all the years I've known you.
0: If you look at me over the course of my life, it's like, who's going to be 120 pounds and get their mouth wired to lose more weight, right? Which is what I did on Real World. Like, I've always suffered from this mental disorder because that's really what it is. Um, And I've had phases over the course of my life where through therapy like I'm, I try to deal with it. Right. Like I try, I try to, for lack of better verbiage, be normal, like everybody else and eat and do all, you know, all those things and gain weight. And stuff. so I've had moments where I try to do that, but the minute something triggers it, I'm back on the train. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, Carlos, every day is a struggle if I'm being quite honest, you know, um, And I'm just trying to be as healthy as I can be. You know, I don't need people talking about my weight all the time because it doesn't help me. You understand what I'm saying? And so let me kind of just go through my processes and try to get back on a better mental health path so that you don't see my clavicle and you don't see my shoulder bone and you don't you know you know what I mean? Like let let me just try to work my way through it. But right now, um, you know, I feel like I look great, <laughs> but that's the problem, right? You know what I mean? Because everybody's like, she needs some help, you know, so um it's what it's one day at a time. That's what I will say. It's one day at a time.
1: Yeah, and listen, is it's one of those things where I know firsthand the moment you publicly talk about your struggles, whether it's eating or alcohol or whatever, it sort of keeps, it, it kind of holds you accountable.
0: But it holds you accountable and hostage at the same time because because I feel like um, I put it out there so that you guys can understand what I'm dealing with. And then now let me take the steps necessary to get better and why I say but it holds you hostage is because every time I put up a fucking picture because now people know that that's my issue it's like she needs to eat she you know what I mean it's like she what well, you know you know it's like well she got body dysmorphia and she ain't trying to get better and it's like I shared it with you guys because I want you to have empathy and compassion not just continue to break me down. Let me just try to yeah. keep working through it. And then one day, there's going to be one day I'm going to put up a picture and it's going to be like, oh, she looked good. She got to you guys. Because to me, I look great. But for you guys, let me just try to work through it.
1: We are all praying for you because we love you and we want to see you win. So last but not least, what is it that you want my listeners to know about you that no one knows because they saw one side of you on reality TV?
0: Well, I think they just need to know that I'm God-fearing and I'm about my business and I'm an excellent mom. You know, like I mean, I don't, I don't know what else. Cause I feel like I've shared so much of my life that they've seen everything, you know? So I feel like most people should know me, but, um, you know, like I love the Lord and, and I might say shit and fuck, but I definitely love the Lord. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all about Christ and my ancestors and trying to do, Um, what I need to do to make my mom proud who's no longer here and make my daughters proud who have to live on past me.
1: Oh, Tammy, we can talk all day. I love her so much. She's so real. She's so genuine. And to have someone that's been in this business as long as she has, but still comes across so relatable, that's nothing but a gift. And this conversation I just had with Tammy was also a gift. Love you, Tammy. Thoughts? Opinions? Reads about my conversation with Tammy? Email me at realitywiththeking at stitcher.com or leave me a voicemail at 310-593-8188. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow and subscribe to reality with the king wherever you get your podcast visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at the carlos king underscore on instagram and twitter reality with the king is a production of more sauce by stitcher it is executive produced by me carlos king and jasmine henley brown we are also produced by sierra spragley ricks LaPortia Thomas was the associate producer on today's episode. Engineering and music by Marcus Hamm.
0: More sauce.